Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Uh, This is the last sermon in the We Want to Be series. Uh, I know that some of you are very thankful for that in this Thanksgiving. We're finally done with these We Want to Be sermons, uh, you know. Uh, So this is the last one. We're going to look at uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians. Paul did not start the church at Colossae. He started a lot of churches. He started the Philippian church, the Corinthian church. He started the Thessalonian church in Thessalonica. But he did not start the church at Colossae. The fellow who did start it uh, probably was someone that Paul won to Christ. So even though he didn't start the church at Colossae, he very much cared about what happened in Colossae and things were not going well there. In part of what he says in the third chapter, Paul talks about something that's very appropriate for the Sunday before Thanksgiving. He says in verse 15 and 16, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs through the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Let's pray. Oh Lord, I pray that this week and every week, you will impress upon us with constant reminders that we will put into practice the simple message of these two verses. And let us personify what Paul tells us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to be thankful. The Apostle Paul was big on gratitude. In this passage of Scripture, he encourages us to be thankful. It's not the only one. He does it again in Philippians. He does it again to uh, the church in Thessalonica. It's important to Paul that the followers of Christ be people whose attitude is one of thanksgiving, one of gratitude. There's something about a person who is filled with gratitude. Everybody wants to be around them. There's nothing repulsive about a thankful person. They are very appealing to us. There is almost a divine magic, if you'll allow me to use that term, in in the, the behavior of a Christian who truly is filled with gratitude. There's something about that kind of person. And you and I, who live in this country have perhaps more reason to be grateful than anybody else in the world. We live in a nation where we are free. We live in a nation where, for the most part, we are secure. There are people, and you already know this, there are people in other nations that would, uh, that would give their right and left arm to have what you and I take for granted every single day. We are people who have every reason to be grateful. And yet, that kind of national patriotic gratitude is not what Paul's talking about. In fact, it was a far, far 
cry from the kind of thanksgiving that Paul is urging the followers of Christ to have. Because the gratitude that Paul is putting forth is a gratitude that he anchors squarely in a relationship with Jesus Christ. For Paul, a relationship with Christ and thankfulness were inseparable. Paul would, would, would say that it was unthinkable for a Christian who is a, a devoted follower of Christ not to have an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of thanksgiving. And that's the reason why in letter after letter after letter, one of the things he teaches his uh, audience to do is to think of things to be thankful for. Think of reasons uh, to be grateful to God. So I came up with uh, some things. Uh, I was looking, uh, doing some, some study this week, and I, I found some things to be grateful for that I think maybe you'll appreciate. Some really, really serious things that I want to throw out your way. Uh, eight things to be thankful for. First of all, automatic dishwashers. We need to be thankful for automatic dishwashers because they make it possible to get out of the kitchen before the family comes in after their, for their after-dinner snacks, you know. And for men, for men, uh, dishwashers are really nice because it makes, it makes it look like we've cleaned up the kitchen when really we've just moved it somewhere else. So automatic dishwashers, we ought to be thankful for. Second, we ought to be thankful for husbands who attack small repair jobs around the house. I mean, really, because they usually make them big enough to have to call in the professionals in the house. So uh, those kind of husbands. Third, we need to be thankful for the bathtub. That's the one place that the family allows mom some alone time just for herself, the bathtub. Um, Uh, Fourth, we need to be thankful for children who put away their things and clean up after themselves. Because they're such a joy that you hate to see them go home to their own parents. That's why, you know. Uh, Next, we need to be thankful for gardening because it's a relief to deal with dirt outside the house and the church for a change, you know. Uh, And we need to be thankful for teenagers, Because they give parents an opportunity to learn a second language. (laughs) Seventh, we need to be thankful for smoke alarms because they let us know when the turkey is done. And eighth, you need to be thankful that I didn't put an eighth one on there. But it is the eighth one that there's not another thing to be thankful for in that list. Paul wants us to be thankful. And he wants us to be thankful with a gratitude that is anchored in Christ. The only way that is possible is first that you have had a time when you have invited Christ into your life to be your Savior and Lord. And then you are in the process of growing in that relationship with Christ. It's that latter part that's so tough for us. Most of us, hopefully all of us who are Christians, can talk about a time in our past when, hey, I realized I was lost and I was in sin and I realized that Jesus died on the cross for me. He rose again to give me life and I invited Christ into my life. I hope that all of us, and I'm not saying remember the day or the date or the day of the week or or, or the hour. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, but you can remember a time in your life when you invited Christ into your life. 
That's the easy part, though. The hard part is what comes after we receive Christ as Savior, and it's the daily, the daily struggle of, of, of developing this relationship with Christ. It is a mistake of uh, exponential proportions for us to say, well, back in uh, 1968, on a certain Sunday night in August, I got my ticket to heaven. I don't know where it is. It's in the drawer, I think. Or maybe it's up in the attic, or, or maybe it's down in the basement in a box, a storage box. No, no, that's not the way it works. Because if the ticket you got, the ticket, I hate to use that word, that you and I received when we received Christ, if it was bona fide, if it was real, then it wouldn't stay in a box or it wouldn't stay in a drawer or it wouldn't be comfortable in the attic or in the basement. It is something that lives in us and that breathes in us every single day. The biggest mistake that you and I can make as Christians is to leave our testimony of salvation back there in the box and never, ever do anything to develop that ongoing daily relationship with Christ. It's one of the reasons why so many Christians end up falling out of church or falling away from the faith. It's because they put that testimony away and they don't do anything with it for the rest of their lives. It is a major Major mistake. And Paul says it's impossible to be truly grateful to the depths of what he's talking about in these letters without an ongoing and devoted relationship to Christ. And so I think at a time like this, it's good for all of us, you, me, all of us, to stop, evaluate where we are with Christ and to try to determine Am I keeping up my part of that bargain of of developing daily my relationship with Christ? If we have, and if we do, it's not that we'll be perfect, but one thing we will have, according to Paul, is we will have an attitude of thanksgiving that will accompany us, that will help us. In these two verses, Paul tells us three things about a thankful heart. First, he says, a thankful heart is a heart where Christ's peace is in control. Verse 15, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. You see, a thankful heart is one that is anchored in a relationship with Christ, and that relationship with Christ, because it is ongoing, gives you a peace that establishes you. I mean, it's like the eye in the midst of a hurricane. Everything is still. Everything is peaceful. The sun is shining in the eye of that hurricane. There may be storms whirling all around you, but if you are a Christian and if you are daily developing your relationship with Christ, there is a peace that Paul says is within you in the person of Jesus Christ, and that peace sustains you in ways you cannot even explain. In fact, Paul, as much as says that in Philippians, he says, he says that, he says, be, be, be anxious about nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God and the peace of God, he says, which surpasses all understanding, it's beyond explanation, will fill and establish your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You say, well, preacher, I've been a Christian for 25 years and 
I don't feel peace. I don't feel a peace in my storm. To that person, I would simply ask the question, not critically, not in a critical way, but I would ask that question, how, is, how are you doing developing your daily relationship with Christ? If we're only relying on some ticket, some sort of fire insurance policy that we think we got back on a certain day 25 years ago, that's not going to be enough unless we have taken that and we're developing it every single day. If you want the peace that passes understanding, it it takes a walk with Christ that is continuous and that is consistent. Second, Paul says a thankful heart is a heart where Christ's word is overflowing. Notice uh, verse number 16. He says, let the message of Christ, the message of Christ dwell among you richly. The message of Christ. What is the message of Christ? If someone were to ask you, hey, uh, in your opinion, what is the message of Christ? Would you be able to tell them what you think it is? You see, it's really simple. The message of Christ is that we are born in sin. Uh, we, when, when given the, the opportunity in, with a mind of understanding, we will sin. That sin has eternal grave repercussions and that we cannot save ourselves and that God saw us in this state and rather than just leaving us to fend for ourselves, He sent His own Son to the cross on our behalf who died for us and then rose again to give us eternal life if we want it. That's the message of Christ. It is hope in a world of no hope. Paul says, let that message dwell in you. But he doesn't stop there. Again, I want you to know this takes an ongoing daily development of our relationship. He says, not just let this message of Christ dwell in you, but he says, let it dwell in you richly. Richly. This morning I had a children's sermon in the first, ser- in the first uh, service. And uh, Carson Coley was one of the kids who came down. I was asking them what they're thankful for. And first, the first kid, uh, his last name is Loop. He said, I'm thankful for God and my, my parents. I think his parents paid him to say that. They probably expected me to ask something like that on the Sunday before Thanksgiving. or I don't know what it was. Then there was another one who said, I'm thankful for my family and friends. And another one said, I'm thankful uh, for my friends. And then, then, but Carson said, I'm thankful for food. And I gave him a high five because I really, you know, I like food. I like food. I'm going to enjoy food today. And Thursday. I'm going to enjoy it Thursday. I like food. I like sweet food. Sweet food has made me a much bigger man than I otherwise would have been. It has. But I've noticed something about some of the best sweet cakes that, that, that the best cooks make. I've noticed something about them. Some of those cakes are better not on the day they were cooked, but after they have been, they, maybe you take a cake, you, you bake it, you put it in the refrigerator and you let it stay there for three days. And then you take it out and it's better on that third day than it was the day that it was cooked. I've noticed that. My wife makes a coconut cream cake. And uh, she makes it and, she, and while she's making it, if I'm in the house, she taunts me with it. 
Oh, you're going to like this cake. It's really going to, you're going to like this cake. You want some icing? I sure do. Well, you're going to have to wait. She, she taunts me with them. It's like, you know, it's, 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 I don't know. I told her the Lord's not in this taunting stuff with cakes. You know what I'm saying? It's just not right. And then she'll get it done. She'll say, how do you, how, what do you think? It, how's it look? I said, man, it looks great. Can I try it? Well, how, do you really think it looks? Uh, yeah, it looks really good. She says, well, you can't have any for three days. She puts it in the refrigerator. And three days later, she takes it out. And it is out of this world. I've noticed some of the best cooks we've got in this church, they can cook stuff, especially cakes. A lot of times, three days later, that cake is bad. I don't know what it is. I don't know what, what little creatures are in the cake that only wake up after three days. And they get sweet when they wake up, you know. I don't know. I don't know. But there's something about the message of Christ, the peace of Christ. It is best, it is sweetest when it is allowed in your heart to develop, to grow, to incubate, to sweeten. I've noticed that about preaching. Um, I've gotten to where I, I try to start much earlier on preparing the sermons than I used to because uh, if, if early on I, I, I take the text and I really go through the text and analyze it and I just let it sit there, just let it sit there in my subconscious mind, the Holy Spirit com, com, uh, in partnership with my subconscious mind starts bringing up thoughts from that passage over the next few days that I never even dreamed of. And if I hadn't given myself the the proper amount of time to allow those thoughts to float to the surface, I would have missed out on some of the most wonderful things from from God's word. Let the message of Christ dwell in you and not just dwell in you, but let it dwell in you richly. Let it incubate. Let it develop. Third, he says, a thankful heart is a heart where Christ's name is lifted up. Verse 16 again, he says, you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms. What were the psalms? The book of psalms was the hymn book for the ancient Jewish faith with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. What is the result of a Christian who is daily developing that relationship with Christ so that the peace of God rules in your heart? Not a, not a guest in your heart, but, a, but the ruler of your heart. What is, the, what is the result of that person with the peace of Christ and with the message of Christ dwelling richly in that person? The result is that person will bubble over in worship toward God, songs to God, hymns to God, prayers to God, service to God, because they are filled up with this gratitude for the Lord, for everything He is and everything He's doing. Paul said, this is what a thankful heart sounds like. It is a heart that is so full that it, that it explodes in worship to the Lord. I want you to do me a favor. Or really, let me ask you to do the church a favor. Are you ready for this? Y'all looking at me here? I want you to do the church a favor, and it'll start uh, in just a minute when we stand up to sing, but it'll also start next Sunday. Here's what I want you to do. When you stand up and when Matt is leading us in worship, I want you to sing. Hello? What, did you expect more? I want you to sing. I want you to stand up and sing.
He said, preacher, people pay me not to sing. Sing! The Bible says make a joyful noise. It doesn't always have to be in tune. It's nice every now and then if it is, but if it's not, sing! Sing! Do you realize the sound, the sweet, wonderful sound of the high volume of the voices of a church combining together to sing? There's nothing like it. This is the reason why that when the scriptures talk about heaven, they don't talk about preachers preaching. Some of you are really glad there are not going to be any preachers preaching. I'm kind of mad about it myself. I like to preach. But, but it's the sound of voices singing. That's what fills heaven. So sing, join, let your gratitude flow over in singing. Don't worry about what you sound like. Don't worry about how you might annoy the person next to you. If it annoys the person next to you for you to sing praises of God, they need to be annoyed. (laughs) Annoy them. Gracious. We need to let loose with our praise. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This verse tells us two very important things about gratitude. First, it tells us that every circumstance in life, whether good or bad, whether uh, celebratory or miserable, provides some opportunity to be thankful. Now, Don't misunderstand Paul. Paul didn't say be thankful for everything. He never said that, never said that. I'm not going to say that. But what he did say is in everything, find a a reason to be grateful, to be thankful. And so in every circumstance, there is an opportunity to be thankful. And the second thing this verse tells us is that it is God's will that we look for and that we find And that we take advantage of that opportunity to be thankful. Now, my friends, I'm going to tell you, I know some of you have been through some hard times and you still are. But you and I can find in in this land and this day and in this church, we can find reason to be thankful. We can. Y'all remember Helen Keller? Helen Keller could not see. She could not hear. She couldn't speak. She was locked within herself. I mean, if I were looking at Helen Keller when she was alive and she couldn't speak, hear, or, or uh, see, I would think it's impossible to communicate with this person and for this person to communicate with me. But somehow, over a process of time, there were some very gifted people who took the time to love Helen Keller and they taught her to communicate and, and they taught her to understand their communication. And later in her life, Helen Keller made this statement about gratitude. She said, so much has been given to me So much has been given to me that I have no time to ponder that which I don't have. This morning I'm blessed because I can see you. I can hear you. I can speak to you. And I take it for granted every single day. Here was a woman who could do neither of those, and yet she said, 
So much has been given to me that I literally have no time to ponder that which I don't have. Ladies and gentlemen, if we want to be anything, we want to be thankful. Let's pray. Father in heaven, when we think about all that you have blessed us with, when we even start to count the ways that you have been good to us, we would spend the rest of our lives, if we could think of them all, we have much for which to be grateful. And Lord, we are thankful to you, not just this week, but again, remind us to put these verses into practice every week that we live in Christ's name. Amen.